Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Happy birthday, America. It is the 4th of July. Um, Today's the day we're going to let freedom ring. And this is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this holiday week. So good morning to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Galatians chapter 5. These are great 4th of July verses. We're going to read verses 13 and 15, but I would encourage you to go and read it in its context um, to understand the full scope of what God is saying here, and let's um, let's allow God to speak through that which he has already spoken. Again, Galatians 5, verses 13 to 15. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law could be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Uh, Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So on a day when we are focused on freedom, let's take a moment to consider the realities that um, conflict with freedom and those that produce freedom, not only in our lives, but that promote freedom in the lives of others. So what I'm thinking about here today, when we're talking about freedom and we're talking about the way that the United States won her freedom— and then the ways in which men and women have given their lives uh, for the cause of freedom over the years, we're talking about very real human conflict. We're talking about war, and we're talking about peace. When we're talking about freedom, we're talking about war, and we're talking about peace. And so for a moment, let's, um, let's think about the realities of spiritual war and the reality of spiritual peace. Because on this day when We're going to focus a lot on what it means to live as people who are free. I think that framing that in the context of the spiritual life, the Christian life, as a spiritual battle, and also a life that is free and therefore a life lived in the midst of a peace which passes all understanding, like that's a good, um, those those are two ideas to hold in tension today as we talk about freedom and experience it. So when we talk about spiritual war, spiritual warfare, we recognize that we are always and in all ways in a spiritual battle, that the devil is always prowling around looking for a way to devour us. We know that we are called in Christ to resist him. We know that we are equipped with all kinds of spiritual armor and spiritual resources, spiritual weapons, the very name of Jesus. Um, We know we're supposed to resist temptation and even flee from the devil. And, and we recognize that it's a battle and that it is an ongoing battle in our, in our lives, even though ultimately sin is overcome. And in the midst of the spiritual battle raging all the time in and around us, we also live as people of peace. <laughs> I just think about that for just a moment, giving all that we've just said in terms of spiritual war, spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle. The truth is 
that in Christ, as a believer in Christ, we rest in peace. We have peace with God. Therefore, we have peace with ourselves and we have peace with one another. I can live as a person of peace in the midst of war raging all around me. I can have perfect peace in the midst of the greatest of travails. Um, I am a child of peace. I am um, a disciple of the Prince of Peace. I am possessed of a peace which passes all understanding. And so I want you to rest in that today. And I want you to consider these two seemingly opposite truths. As Christians, we are at war, and war rages all around us all the time. And as Christians, we are at peace. Now, that's not doublespeak. Um, I'm not trying to deceive or trick you. It is really true that at the same time, Christians are at war in one sense and also at peace. And so we are, in the midst of that, called to live as people who are free. And we don't use our freedom for license. We don't use it to indulge the flesh. The flesh, as it says here in Galatians, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. We keep standing firm. We do not subject again to the yoke of slavery. That's Galatians 5.1. Jesus has, in fact, set us free. So what does it look like to live in the freedom, even as we are slaves to Christ? There's another one of those strange double realities. We are free. In Christ, we have been set free, free from the powers of sin and death, but we are also slaves to Christ, submitted to him, bound to him, bound to think and speak and do as Christ pleases, as Christ would if he were us. So yes, free from the devil and free from sin, but bound to God in Christ Jesus in love and holiness. So we're going to talk about that life of Uh, of transformation and what it looks like to live a life prioritized by Christ in our conversation with Dave Buring. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Dave Buring is back with us. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Carmen. How are you this morning? I I am. It is well with my soul, my friend. How about you? I'm good. We just got back from a weekend retreat with 14 leaders from around the country pouring in the ways of God. So it was a good weekend. Mm, mm, I celebrate that. That's wonderful. Um, on Saturday, Jim and I hosted a um, an after Easter egg hunt for every kid on our street. That's a, what I described as egg hunting age. Wow. And well, what because, is egg hunting age? Well, well uh, come to find out egg hunting age on my street is four to nine. At least so everybody, four to 90. Everybody between four and nine showed up and everybody loved it. Like they thought this is a great idea because I went and, you know, after Easter and Bought all of the, because uh, I've got a kid on my street who's got like celiacs and one who's like, you know, two that are gluten-free and one that's nut-free and one egg-free. So I'm like, you can't do candy. They can't ever go to a hunt where there's candy. None of yeah. them. So, yeah. right? So that's so sad. So at our egg hunt, all the eggs were empty. And because I bought everything, you know, after Easter, it was super cheap. So they got yeah. loaded up with like, you know, bubble wands and chalk and 
I don't know, all oh, kinds nice. of crazy fun Easter things that aren't edible. Right, right. Sunglasses and, you know, yeah. Super what fun. A great but a idea. Great, and, and to top it off, I mean, just because it happens to be this time of year on the farm out here, we have eight little baby chicks. And so to top it all off, they got to play with the baby chicks. So I think that was the highlight of the I day. I think that sounds like a great day. Wow. So I didn't I didn't do what you did this weekend, but I did that. So there you go. Hey, a great time. Both trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the transformed life. What do we mean when we say that? Um, and then let's quickly revisit the process of transformation so we can dive deeply into the priority of transformation. Yeah. So what's the transformed the- life? Yeah, I think oftentimes we forget that when we give our lives to Jesus, it's just the beginning. You know, sometimes we respond to the Lord in our lives and then we kind of just we go to church and maybe we're in a small group and we just can kind of get in a cruise mode, forgetting that the priority of Jesus is to make us to look more like him. Our Mm. looks, our personality, our gifts, all that stuff that's very unique and special about each of us. But through that, that we look more like Jesus. And I think that's one of the things that we often, you know, pause uh, and don't have the time to, you know, think about as much as we should. I I like Carmen Dallas Willard's quote when he says, discipleship, which is this process of being transformed, is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Isn't that good? That's so good. That's so good. Um, If Jesus were me, hmm. Um, what would he look like? How would he engage people mm-hmm. in the environment where, you know, I find myself day in and day out? This is actually this transformation process is a priority for God. God's priority is forming us into the image of his son. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's one of the things that, again, oftentimes when we find ourselves coming to know Jesus, nobody tells us this. And and because of that, we're not positioned to, if I could use the word, to yield to it and allow God to do that work in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 talks about God conforming us to the image of his son. Uh, 2 Corinthians three eighteen talks about how we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. Romans reminds us that we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, so that the way we think, the way we discern, the way we relate to people in the world around us is actually different from when we didn't know Jesus to when we know Jesus. And so I think it's one of the things that, you know, we get stuck in, Carmen, is we often find that, okay, now that I belong to Jesus, it's all about what he's trying to pour through me to touch the world through me. And I would submit that that is a secondary thing that there's a priority here of Jesus doing first in us. So the overflow, whether on our job, with our families and our relationships, it looks more like Jesus. All right. If you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, "Mm, I don't, I don't know how much I look like Jesus. I mean, I know about Philly Jesus, that guy in Philly that dresses up like Jesus. Yeah. That's not (laughs) what we're talking about. We're talking about being transformed from the inside out. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dave Buring in just a moment. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. You're looking for the Transformed Life series. And today we're talking about the priority of transformation. So next we're going to answer this question, like, how is it that God is transforming us? Not from the outside in, but from the inside 
out. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation with Dave Buring from LionShare. You can find the Transformed Life series at LionShare.org. Yes, for those of you asking for us to repeat the Dallas Willard quote, Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Um, Dave, let's uh, let's talk about trans- being transformed from the inside out. This has to do with our heart. So can you talk mm-hmm. about a little bit about what God has to say about what's going on in my heart? Yeah, the the there's a ton that the Bible says about the heart. And I don't think we often pay attention to it, but it it represents kind of that inner reality of who we are, where we are in our lives, where God wants to transform us. And when you look at the scriptures, you see a ton about this. It's not just an organ in our chest. It represents the core of who we really are. It's our deepest motivations. It's kind of that central command of decision-making and attitudes and thoughts and allegiances and affections. It's that. It represents who you really are. And I love some of these portions um, that talk about it to help us see it. For example, one of my favorites is Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. We also see in Jeremiah, the heart is desperately sick and is very deceitful, who can know it? I love Jesus's words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 6 tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart is the real you. You know, we can put on mm. Instagram and Facebook and put on our face for the day what we want people to perceive about us. But what is in your heart is the real you. And that's an important thing for us to note. So I was going to do long division here. Um, If we did like two verses every single day and three verses on some days that where scripture addresses what's going on in in the heart or the matter of the heart, um, we could spend a whole year just focused on this. So there's a lot of content um, in scripture related to this. Um, What is it 
or maybe how, let's talk about the how. How does God change my heart? Because that's what I need. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so the thing that we have to do is we have to pay attention to what he's revealing inside of our heart. And when we can see what God's revealing to us, then we can adjust to where he's leading us. But again, Mm. it's something that we have to learn to pay attention to. So for example, if you're in a group of relationships and just in the midst of all those relationships, there's a reality that you're recognizing that uh, when you're with this particular person, your heart gets kind of, shall we say, prickly. And Mm. you realize that um, there's something maybe left over from an offense that was taken there or that there's something that has happened that has caused there to not be peace in the friendship. And, you know, the reality is when we get into that kind of a place, it, it causes us to have revelation or God revealing to us where our heart really is. There's a phrase that I use for my own life, Carmen, that I often will help people if we, we talked about it as leaders this weekend, that your reactions are windows to your heart. So mm. when you react to something... It's actually exposing what's inside your heart. I'm writing this down. Your reactions are windows to your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave, there are some people, um, you know, when I I spend time with them and I feel energized, encouraged, um, lighter. And then there's other people that I spend time with and I feel sad or burdened. But the the feelings is not really what we're talking about because that's kind of a terrible barometer of the truth. Talk about God's plumb line of the truth here because I don't want to avoid people who are who who make me sad, whose circumstances make me sad, because those might be the ministries, you know, the ministry opportunities into which God is calling me. So can you help me find a better plumb line of the truth than just my feelings? Yeah. And I think it's it's something that, again, we oftentimes haven't been taught or we just haven't been in a circle where these kinds of things have been looked at of taking a look at how God transforms us. But, but when you drop a plumb line, which is a, like a measuring rod, it's a way that people would oftentimes uh, measure to make sure things were straight. Like if you're building a home, it's, it's a string on a heavy weighted bob that then allows it from top to bottom to represent things being straight. And in Amos 7, the Lord said to Israel that he was setting a plumb line in the midst of his people. And the way I like to look at is God's plumb line is made up of his character, who he is, his ways, how he does things and wants us to do things, as well as his values and truth from the scripture. So you have this plumb line dropped in your life where God shows you, okay, here's the truth, Dave, and here's where your heart is. And I want you to move from where your heart is to be more in alignment with my plumb line. And the beauty of that, Carmen, is he doesn't require me to do that. He does it. He's the one that does it, but he needs my cooperation. And my cooperation looks like following his lead, or we could use the word obeying what he's asking me to do. Those kinds of steps get us in line with God's plumb line. If I were to try to finish the sentence, God is, and then fill in that blank, you know, that's where I'm going to get a list of his qualities, his character, his ways, his values. Um, and and I can make that list 
as I examine the truth of his word. So we want to encourage you, if you're listening right now, get into the Word of God. That's where you're going to discover God's character and His ways um, and His values and the truth of His Word. And that'll give you the plumb line against which you can then test yourself. Like, great, so I can test my own heart against what is revealed about the heart of God. Um, Dave, I know we're, we're running out of time for this conversation, so let me just remind everybody you can find these resources at lionshare.org. We're talking about the transformed life. And we're going to continue this conversation with Dave in the coming weeks. I'm wondering if there's some encouragement that you can give today in terms of how we respond, um, you know, when God does reveal something Mm -hmm. in us that is out of alignment with his Mm -hmm. character and his ways. Like, how do we, how do we then allow God to do that transforming work? Yeah. So there's a, the way that I have watched this over the years, it's it's a bit of a process for me. So when God shows you something and then you be responsive to it, like, again, let's go back to our illustration. There's somebody I'm out of sorts with in a relationship and I go back and maybe I need to be the one that humbles myself and says, hey, you know what? The last time we talked, I said some things. I spoke out of emotion and I didn't speak really what was in my heart. And I need to ask you to forgive me for that. And you go about making that thing right. Well, what I've watched is when God initiates something and we respond to him in obedience to what we're supposed to do, transformation comes. Like, don't be surprised that not only within you are you transformed when you take those steps to make things right, but the relationship is now on a trajectory to begin to be healed. Now, again, sometimes we've had really damaged relationships and that healing doesn't take place instantly. But the first steps of being responsive to the Lord, obeying what he shows us to do, can lead towards God transforming us, not only inside of us, but in our relationships and through us. Um, I have a friend whose name is Susan, who the Lord brought to mind as I was preparing for our conversation. And I remember her asking me, it's probably been almost a year ago now, she said, I mean, I really feel like God's doing a lot of work in my life. And I'd I'd like for you to tell me when we see each other, do you see evidence that I look more like Jesus? And Mm. I'm like, this conversation has reminded me of that. And I need to circle back around to her and and say, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't answered the question that you asked, but that is a great question for Mm. one Christian to ask of another Christian. Do you see evidence that I look more like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Um, What a precious, what a precious way of inviting our brothers and sisters into the conversation about um, the transformed life that we are inviting God to um, to make of us. So, Dave, as always, thank you so much. We love talking with you. You guys can uh, grab the Transformed Life series at lionshare.org. If you want me just to shoot you the link, you know you can always text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. So on this 4th of July, I hope you are going to read the Declaration of Independence. I hope you are going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I hope you're going to sing. And I hope one of the things you're going to sing is God God bless America. Um, Irving Berlin wrote the song while serving in the U.S. Army. He was stationed at Camp Upton in New York State at the end of World War I. Um, And so 
when we think about what we're singing and why we're singing and the context in which we're singing God's blessing over um, over this land, I want you to consider um, these words from God Bless America. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Have you ever heard all those words? Are those the ones you're going to sing today? Could you sing them in your heart? God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. Um, When you think about the storm clouds that might be gathering across the sea, when you think about the land um, in which we live and the freedoms we enjoy and the cost at which those freedoms were won, are you grateful? Are you grateful to live in this land and are you willing to raise your voice in solemn prayer with other believers that God would indeed bless America? It's a sung prayer. It's a, um, it's, it's a prayer to God that we would plead before the Father that he would indeed not withdraw his hand of blessing, but extend his blessings more and more um, to the people in this land that we so love. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen in this special edition on Faith Radio during this holiday week. And we are going to take a moment uh, here to have a little news break. And then you're going to hear again the conversation that I had with Andrew Bailey from uh, the Farmville Baptist Church uh, and their community garden program. It's going to inspire you, I hope, to get out there today and consider how you might get your hands dirty for your community where God has placed you as his ambassador and agent of grace. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Andrew Bailey is joining us. Uh, He is a student. He is also Um, engaged at the Farmville Baptist Church and their community garden. Uh, Andrew, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's good to be here. All right, so you just graduated from Auburn University. Is this correct? Yes, ma'am. I just did. All right, so tell us about that graduation day. What happened? Who was there? Who did you see? What's going on? For those of us who, you know, didn't get to be there, take us back. (laughs) Well, I got surprised. My neighbors came down. They drove probably close to four hours to come down here to see me, so that was great. I had grandparents pull in the night before. I had my parents, brother and sister to come down, so it was a big surprise for me seeing everyone back home drive down see me. We had lunch. Um, after lunch, I got ready for graduation, went into the stadium, and we did the thing. And then you blink and it's over. It's but, right. I, right. You blink and it's over. That's totally true. Um, okay, so where's home? People came down from home. Where's home? Arab, Alabama, right below Huntsville. All right. All right. Fantastic. Um, so tell us about the garden at Farmville Baptist Church. Um, you know, like what are you doing and why are you doing it? Okay. So this is our third year at Farmville Baptist Church. We basically just have a garden. It's 100 foot by 150 foot. We grow various crops. We grow corn, okra, peas, squash, zucchini, watermelon, cantaloupe. 
cucumbers, peppers, and tomatoes. That's what we're growing. We have a bunch of Is this the appropriate or inappropriate time to ask you about the cucumber beetle? Should I save that question for a later time? You could say it for a later time. It's my nemesis, man. The cucumber beetle because, well, it's my nemesis. I know. Okay. What's it done? Well, it just, it just, we don't get any cucumbers. We used to get great cucumbers and now like every year I I can't, I can't grow a cucumber. Hmm. That absolutely stinks right there. I know. There you go. I'm going to have to come get them from you. Okay. So we're growing all these, we're growing all these row crops, right? At Farmville Baptist Church. Um, Who's involved and then what happens with all that produce? So it's, it started with a bunch of college students. We got together with the pastor, says, hey, we really want to have a garden. We want to be able to give it out to the community. So originally it was a bunch of college students coming out the first two years and we'd hoe the garden out, we'd till it. We had actually a couple of farmers that went to the church and they came out with their tractors and dissed it. Um, and they tilled it up for us because it was hard ground, a solid rock. I played just about it. They uh, did a survey before, talk about building a building back there. And they found out there's a big old rock shelf. And they tell us where they ever started digging. We might not even break soil because we hit a rock, we're done. And uh, so we have that. And then lately now, we've actually got a lot of members coming out, um, older members. They're like, all right, we want to deliver. We want to be able to give out this produce. So we have a handful of homebound members. It's members that are elderly in age and are unable to get out in public. Some of them are at nursing homes. Some of them have health care members staying with them. Um, limited mobility, basically, you know. So we are able to go out to their homes and deliver produce. But then we also partnered with Shane with Way to Serve out in Opelika. And he's got a list of families he goes and sees that are suffering with different needs, with food needs and housing needs where their house is falling apart or there's just repairs they can't get themselves. So we partnered with him. He's telling us where to go. Then we also do uh, John Johnson. He's a soup kitchen guy right down the road. And we'll deliver to him and he'll – make it for the soup kitchen. I love that. Um, I mean, what, what's, I mean, I kind of get a sense of what the motivation is here, but right. I'd like for you to just articulate it. Like there's a, um, it's more than just growing food, right? This it, is a genuine no, sure. ministry of meeting people's needs. Uh, uh, oh, it is. It's um, so it originally started back at home. I had a phone call just out of the blue. A guy called me. He's like, hey, did you ever garden before? I said, no, sure, sure haven't. And he said, well, how about you come out to the Grove and I'll teach you how to garden. So I did that for about two and a half years while I was in high school. Mm. And I got to know this man, know his family. Um, he'd always bring lunch out. We'd work out in the garden. He had two. He, had, he called it the lower garden, the upper garden. And that's really how I first got started in gardening. was learning from him and just us talking and joking around all day. And then his family would come, bring us lunch sometimes. We'd have a neighbor show up. So then I asked him one day, I was like, well, what are you doing with all this produce? Because I know we got, at the time, we had 750 tomato plants. Mm. That was his main thing. I was like, there's no way you're eating all this tomatoes. I mean, I can eat all of myself. And uh, he said, well, honestly, I have a few people that come out that pick it that need food. And they provide for their families that way. Or I got a box, he says, by my house. So at late at night, we get back in. I just put the food in the box. And next morning, I don't know who it is, 
but someone drives by and gets the produce they need and I don't know who they are. They just come by and grab it. I said, that's, that's really neat. He said, yeah. He said, some people don't want to admit that they need food and don't want to ask. But he said, I just put a sign up by the road in the box and someone comes out and gets it. He says, it's, you know, it could be more than one family. I said, I don't check. I'm just grateful I'm able to provide for them. They don't have to ask. He says, I also got a, at church, he says, I'll open my trunk up and you talk about people flocking to your car. He says, I know I have vegetables in the back and um, they just flock to the vehicle because of it. And I was like, my goodness, like you're getting not only helping the church, but helping the community that way. So I took a year off from there and started working up in Huntsville. And I came back and had my own garden at the house. And it really just spoke to me. It's like, we're talking about, we're supposed to witness, you know, share our faith, talk to others. I was like, man, like, I know like my neighbors on either side, but like I don't know two or three doors down. So I ended up getting produce at home and I went door to door, introducing myself, telling them who I was. And hey, my family's right down the road. And I said, well, I'm growing a garden this year. I got some extra produce, which I like some. And that actually opened up doors for having gospel conversations later on. I mean, they weren't let, some of them weren't all in need food but it at least opened the door to have that conversation of well, why are you doing this well God's give me a gift I sure do enjoy it and I'm just able, I'm glad I'm able to bless y'all with what God has given me and I mean I've had some serious heart heart talk with people I, I never thought I would have just you know you wave as you drive down the road to your neighbor and that's about it but I actually went door to door and talked to them and then it came down here and working with way to serve just going from house to house seeing the poor living conditions i mean we've i've been in a house where the whole back corner of the house was gone and she had a treasure door against that back corner i was like why is there a treasure door she's well i actually don't have a back wall and mm. i was like oh so we moved it and found out because just because you put a treasure door over a hole just, and the hole is you know still not there so a lot of rain came in and rotted the floor and everything and she had a, some kids there. I mean, just little kids, probably five or six, running around. They didn't know any difference, you know. That there's a <laughs> that was not normal to have a, mm-hmm. a back wall in my house. And I was like, my goodness, like there's people here in need. And so the whole garden ministry, it's going out and beating those needs because we've had some that will call the church that's heard about it and say, hey, we're in need. Could you come out and deliver? So we've done that, or it's it's not only a physical need but there's a spiritual need there too and being able to share our faith say hey it's we all struggle we all have something that eats at us that we're all simple beings you know we all need to say and i mean that's the whole goal of it to share our faith point people across it's not about us but god's given us a gift and i'm just grateful that we're able to use it i am so thankful for you i'm so thankful for you i can't um, I can't wait to um, to know more of this story. We're talking with Andrew Bailey. Um, among other things, he is um, serving at Farmville Baptist Church in the community garden. He just graduated from Auburn University, and he's going to continue on with his education. So we're going to get some details on that next. But I want you to think about what God has given you, what he's placed within your reach, where you might plant a garden and how that might open up doors of opportunity um, and and doors of um, getting to know your neighbors. I just, uh, I can't, I can't wait for more. So more with Andrew Bailey in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, 
whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Andrew Bailey. Um, I know, I know your uh, your feedback. I love him too. I love him. That's what people are saying. They love you, Andrew. I'm just letting you know that uh, listeners across the country and around the world are enjoying um, the conversation with you today. So thank you so much. Oh, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I want to know a little bit more about what you're up to and things that you know that you think we should know. You just graduated from Auburn with a degree in agribusiness or agriscience. Um, so what is something happening in the world of agriculture that you think we should know about that we probably don't know? That's a very fantastic question, Farman. So with my degree is agri-science education. So we're talking about being in the classroom, reaching all the students, right? So part of my undergrad. To You're going to be a degree. teacher? Yes, ma'am. <gasps> okay. How excited is everybody now? Okay, go ahead. Now, now I'm, I'm all in. So part of my undergrad program is being placed in the school for about six months. So we got to see students firsthand. Um, with that, you know, you get to see their families, you get to see the kids, you get to see how they work and everything. And part of it was very eye-opening was since the virus came out, a bunch of kids, you know, they took school shutdown completely, right? Mm-hmm. And well, I found out later on that some superintendents came out and said, all right, well, since school shut down, grades are final when, you know, when they got out, either spring break, right, or spring break, grades were final then. So then a bunch of students that did work decide, Oh, well, we don't have to do work anymore because of, you know, it didn't count. So then mm-hmm. with that, we have a relapse. We're seeing now in schools where students care somewhat. And they're like, well, is it really going to count? Is it not? And that's something we're battling as teachers right now is being able to see students in the agri-science field. Just one, they have that gap of years of just, well, I studied at home or I just kind of halfway did things at home, but now they come back to the classroom and, noticing that they're not getting everything. So it's taking a little slower, which is fine to teach everything and to go over everything and to get their mind back on track on, hey, this is what we're doing. And not only that, but we're also trying to reach the students to make an impact in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big thing because, I mean, some of these kids, they come from broken homes I got to see when I was out student intern 
at one of the schools. You just they kids don't necessarily open up, tell you what's going on, but you kind of you talk a little with them, and some will open up, some won't, and it's just seeing there's still that need in the agriculture field of one telling people what our culture is that we still still applies to everybody, right? We don't all have to be row crop farmers or have our own beef cattle or poultry farm, but we're all involved with it some way. You know, we all get our food, we all get clothing and everything else, but it's more than that and just making that connection with the students and let them know there's just more than one pathway after high school. Mm, that's so good. Um, I live in a fairly rural uh, community. Um, we're not too far from a major city, but um, but we, you know, we've got four little steer calves right now and we've got a dozen chickens and uh, and our garden is in. Um, we have a little orchard as well. We feel so blessed to be able to share um, the produce with others. It is a it is a doorway of opportunity. Um, and I'm also I guess I'm wondering, so we could be using more of the property around churches for community gardens, certainly. Um, now you have me wondering is there any reason that at schools across the country there couldn't be community gardens? Like, I feel like getting students out of the classroom and learning some reproducible skill um, would be really beneficial. Maybe that's happening in other places. I mean, we have a little greenhouse at our high school, but not an actual garden. Right. I've heard of, I think, one high school that has a very small one. They have a raised beds. Mm-hmm. They do a little garden and they raised beds. And then... So that might be the only one I've really heard of. I've heard of greenhouses and high tunnels being used, but that's more for commercial outside. Like, you know, I guess it'd be a community colleges is what's been doing them. I've heard a little about that. I've heard there's a bunch in the community. Like I think there's, I couldn't misquote, be misquoted. I know of I think three community gardens around Auburn that people just Mm. show up and pick or they can pay and get a plot. And people are able to learn about that. And there's sometimes like supervisors out there that's able to demonstrate, hey, this is what you can grow in this season. This is what you can pick. But getting students involved in that would be tremendous. I mean, it's giving them a life skill of knowing how to work and how to attend what, they, what they've been given. But then they also get to see the joys of picking it and get to benefit from the produce from it. It's so good. Um, it's so good. All right. So what your aspirations like down the road? I know. So what's your next degree? What are you working on? And um, what's the future hold as you see it now? So I've been very blessed by God for sure. Uh, last November-ish, I was offered a job offer for Auburn University to go in as a master's student. So I'd be a GTA working for them under the Department of Agri-Science Education. So they offered me that position for two years, and I'll be doing research for Auburn, and they'd be paying for my schooling. So I've been very blessed with the opportunity to be able to, to get the master's that way. I'll be working there for two years, and then I'll go on from there and see what the next door God opens up. It's do you know what your research what your research area is going to be? I do not know yet. I know I'll be helping probably Dr. Clemens and Dr. McKibben on a research project they haven't we have not discussed yet. Okay. What's up? Okay. Well, we're so excited. Um, and so you're going to continue with the community garden at the church um, while you're working on this uh, yeah. next. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna keep doing that as well. Yes, I will. 
Okay. So, um, Andrew, people are so encouraged and blessed by our conversation today. Um, could we maybe maybe just plan to have like a seasonal conversation? Because I think that um, continuing to encourage and inspire people, you can bring us more stories of um, of you know how you're got how you're seeing God work. Um, you know, by the extension of the produce of the land into the lives of people in the community. Um, and also, we just want to keep up with you. Yeah, that's, that sounds great, Carm. Love to talk again and give y'all updates and tell you how I see God. It's a blessing okay. to see how God works. And then the other thing that I would um, like for you to consider is I would I would love to be connected at some point in some way with the guy back at home that when you were a high school student just picked up the phone and gave you a call and said, have you ever, have you ever planted a garden? Because I think that there are so many people listening right now who, you know, we garden, we got stuff going on, but the courage to pick up the phone and call a high school student and say, Hey, would you like to come do this with me? Like that is the hurdle that many, many people need to figure out how to get over. And I'm so I'm wondering if maybe that farmer in your hometown might tell us his story at some point. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a call give, and see what he's up to. Yeah, give him, give that some thought, and we'll share this audio with you, and you can share it with him so that he knows how friendly we are. All right, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Andrew, have a blessed day. Um, you have certainly blessed us. We're so thankful for you. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's Andrew Bailey. He's not just one to watch. He's one to listen to, and we're going to have him back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Well, again, you're listening to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen on this 4th of July holiday. I hope you take time today to spend um, time in the Word of God and spend time with fellow believers. I hope you spend time today singing the faith and um, pledging allegiance to the flag. I hope you spend time today investing somehow in this land that we love and we call home. And I hope you spend time today praying, praying for God's hand of protection and deliverance and for God to call this land and her people back to himself. So let's spend a minute here at the close of this hour Um, lifting up our hands before the Lord our God and bowing our heads and praying to him. Holy, eternal, and sovereign Lord, I lift up our nation today before your throne of grace. You've blessed us and you've established us as a people. You've been our shield and our covering of protection. You've made the United States a great nation in the history of the earth. And we need you, Father. We need you to turn the heart of people in this land back to yourself. We look back, we see faithfulness, and we also see failure. We certainly see evidences of people of faith, and we stand on their shoulders today. We see your great faithfulness throughout the history of of our land. And so, Father, um, as we lift our voices today in songs of remembrance and acts of service, I would ask that you would create among us a more perfect union. As we bow our knees and our hearts in thanksgiving to you, we ask that you would preserve us, protect, guide, direct, You alone are our hope, our future, and our salvation. Turn the hearts of your people back to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, we've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.